Matthew 10, verse 28, Christ is speaking. He says this, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Uh, If you've been around me for very long, you know that I like words. I like to read. Uh, I was one of those weird kids, uh, like before junior high, I had read the encyclopedia. Not just one volume, all of them. I loved those things. Uh, My favorite Christmas present, I I think almost bar none, I'd have to think back a little bit. My favorite Christmas present is from my very dear mother-in-law. She got me a Webster's Encyclopedic Unabridged Dictionary. And you can ask my family, I was thrilled. That thing's about this wide, it's three columns on each page, it's got a name index, it's got foreign word index, it's really cool. The problem is, my dictionary is now woefully out of date. As sad as that is, words like bling, chillax, muggle, and unfriend are not in my book. Uh, Words get added all the time. Words' meanings change. We don't call people secretaries anymore. They're administrative professionals. We don't have nurseries anymore unless you have plants. Those places are now called child development centers. Uh, More than ever, just watch the news. Words carry meanings, communicate ideas, and even philosophies. And all you got to do is use one the wrong way, and people are coming for you. It's scary sometimes. Uh, Our Christian theology has a deep, wonderful history of very rich, meaningful words. Words like grace, propitiation, adoption, redemption. And those evoke pictures and emotions for us. Sometimes we hear theological words, however, and we think, okay, got that one, move along now. I know what that means. So what would you say if I mentioned the word omniscience? Omniscience. What does that mean? You'd say, well, excuse me, can you repeat that, please? Or omna who? Um, Let me just break the word apart. The first part of it, omni, means all. Like if you've ever heard of an omnibus spending bill, you hear that on CNN or the news all the time. That means it's a bill that has a lot of spending things wrapped up into one place. All of them in a place. Uh, You can have an omnivore, an animal that will eat plants or vegetables. It doesn't care. It just wants to eat. Okay? The science part is the, from the Latin word scienz, which means knowledge. So we put those together, it means all knowledge. And you say, got this one, omniscience, I know what that means. God is omniscient, God knows everything, and we check out. Next usher, please, let's get on to the next thing. Um, I, I, I want to challenge you on that. Yes, God does know everything, and yes, that's great. Have you ever stopped to think about what that means? Have you ever looked through Scripture and said, what does it mean that God is omniscient? What does it mean to me that God is omniscient? And further still, what am I supposed to do because God is omniscient? So that's what I want us to do tonight. This is unusual for us in in our pulpit at all. We don't normally preach a lot of topical messages. Number one, they're really hard. Okay, I'll just throw that one out there. It's hard to preach topical message because every verse you use, you have to put it in its right context to make sure it's really what it means. Uh, plus, especially on a topic like this, I could go all over the scripture all night and we would be here for a while and alas, we must be out by six. 
And that means we have to be ready to get cleaned up and things like that. So what I want to do is, is cherry pick. I'm going to take verses and we'll walk our way through this. What I want you to think about is this, and you'll hear me say it time and time again tonight. God sees everyone and everything everywhere. And I'm going to say that a bunch of times. God sees everyone and knows everything everywhere. So let's look first. God does see and know everyone. God knows everyone. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. So God listens to you. God knows who you are. He is listening for you. But He also knows the unrighteous. Uh, Amos 9, 8 says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful kingdom. And in that case, he's going to use that to bring judgment on them. God knows what even sinners are doing. He's not limited by our relationship with him. He is God of very God. He knows everything. And it doesn't mean everything in one little circle. It means everything. In this case, he knows everyone. We can go a step further. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God tells the prophet, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah before he was born. So, oh, Mark, that's just that Old Testament talk. Sure. Galatians 1, 15. Paul says this, but when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his grace before he was born, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the nations. God knows the righteous, the unrighteous. He knows the unborn. And by the way, he knows every thought of every person. Hebrews 4:12 and 13. You know the verse the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and he talks about the word revealing who we are but then he says this there is no creature hidden from his sight God is able to judge thoughts and intents of the heart all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is one being that every man is answerable to. The one with whom we have to do is God who knows the thoughts and intents of your heart, everything about you is open and bare in his sight. He sees and he knows all of that. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful more than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And that's the point. We don't know really what we're like. But then verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God sees and knows everyone all the way down to the thoughts we have when it's just us and him in the dark. All of that is bare before God because he sees everyone and everything everywhere. So does he really see everything? Yes, he does. Matthew 10, we just read that, verses 29 and 30. Think about that for a second. God knows when a sparrow falls, or as most of us are familiar with, when it gets hit by the car going down the road and it flies in front of you and smack it's on your grill. He knows the very hairs of your head. He knows how many of them there are or how many of them ended up in the drain in the shower this week. Down to the smallest creature or part of creation, he says he knows all about it. He knows about every bird. Every one of them. Think about that. How many birds have you ever seen? Not all of them that are on the earth. God knows them all. None of them can hide from him. 
Nothing escapes his sight. The physical universe, the entire rest of everything going on. Psalm 147.4 says, He knows how many stars there are. God counts the stars and gives them names. We don't have a telescope strong enough to see all that. They tell us every now and then that they see a new star because some light finally traveled the gazillions of light years it took to get here. The Hubble telescope finally saw it. God knew about that way before it got here, if in fact that's what happened, or God just didn't flip a switch and another light came on. There's nothing in the universe that God does not know about. Nothing. We can go further. Back into Hebrews, God knows every secret thought and motive. What about Proverbs 5, verse 21? The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He watches all His paths. Anywhere you go, anything going on, God knows. God knows the future. Isaiah 46, verse 8, God is unique. He declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times to that which has not been done. God already knows it. God knows all about it. What about all the Old Testament prophecies? Here one you might not have thought about. Noah and the ark. Do you remember that was a prophecy? God came to Noah and said, build the ark. And in 120 years, it's going to rain. Nobody on the earth had seen rain. Nobody knew what it was. God said, it's going to rain, and by the way, it's going to be really bad. He knew that before it happened. He knew about taking the children of Israel into captivity in Egypt. Look at Genesis 15. He prophesied they would go, and he prophesied when they would come out. What about in Daniel? How long is it going to be when the children of Israel go into captivity and come back? We know exactly how long it was going to be. Seventy years. And if we didn't read it right, Jeremiah read it for us. Because he's writing and says, I saw in the book the number of years would be 70 when the people would come back. God prophesied that before it ever happened. 1 Peter 1 verse 11 says the Old Testament predicted beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So even our salvation was something God predicted in the Old Testament and knew that would happen, and even the end result, not stopping at the crucifixion, but that Christ would be glorified in a later time that we've yet to see. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 or 8, talk about the wisdom of God in the gospel and the death of Christ, and that it was predestined, and if the Jews had simply paid attention and read the Old Testament and knew that was coming, they would never have crucified Christ if their mission was really to stop Him. But it was right there in front of them. God prophesied that it was going to happen. And then, by the way, Acts chapter 9, there's another prophecy there most of us don't look at. God tells Ananias to go to Saul, who is in, where I forget the name of the house, he's in Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, And he says, go to him and tell him what things he must suffer for me as he serves me. And then you can flip over to 2 Corinthians and Paul goes through a nice long list of things. He was shipwrecked three or four times. He received you know, 30, you know, 40 stripes, saved one, four or five times. We can read about him being stoned in Iconium. The list goes on. Those prophecies were fulfilled because God knows the end from the beginning. He predicts the future because he knows everything. He knows everything. And by the way, he sees and knows everywhere. Genesis 16. You remember the name, woman by the name of Hagar? Hagar finds out she's pregnant. Her, mat, her mistress, Sarai at the time, is upset because she was going to have a child before she did. And Hagar runs out into the wilderness. She finds this little oasis out in the middle of nowhere. The Bible tells us it's near the edge of the wilderness of Shur. I've looked on the map. It's a big place. 
And this one little oasis, she's there and she's moaning and groaning and then God comes to her and says, wait a minute, I'm going to take care of you and your child. Go back. Out in the middle of nowhere, God saw her because he sees everyone and everything everywhere. What about the New Testament? Remember a man named Nathaniel? He had a friend come to him and say, we found the Christ, come and see him. Nathaniel's like, can any good thing come out of Galilee? Let, you know, okay, I'll go, but my expectations are pretty low. And he shows up and he meets Christ and Christ says, oh, behold an Israelite in whom there indeed there is no guile. And Nathaniel's like, well, hey, thanks. And Jesus said, yeah, before you were under that fig tree, before you, he found you under the fig tree, I knew you. And Nathaniel's jaw just kind of went up. Jesus was miles away, but he saw him under the fig tree. Because God sees everyone and everything everywhere. You can get to a larger area if you'd like. Deuteronomy 11 says God specifically watches over the land of Israel, the nation, the physical territory. He watches over it for his people. Proverbs 15, 13 says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Every place. Beholding the evil and the good. It's the entire world. We can go further. Psalm 147 Verses 4 and 5, he counts the number of the stars, he gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. He knows everything and everyone, everywhere in the limitless expanse of space. He still knows everything that's there. We have no clue how big it is. God does. He sees everything in it. Psalm 139, flip over there, would you? Psalm 139. Song Carol sang tonight opened with a paraphrase from this psalm. As if specific people or specific nations or the world or space wasn't enough. Look down at verse 7, Psalm 139. Psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Even in spiritual places, even in areas, places over which we have no understanding, God sees everything. And everyone, everywhere. So because he sees everyone and everything, everywhere, we should be impressed. And very often that is where we stop when we think of God in his immensity and in his attributes. The problem is, all these verses never stop there. God never reveals himself so that we can be impressed. Now, we should be. That's fearing God. We are impressed, and it leads us to action. But here, in the, when we're told God sees everyone and everything everywhere, it's for a purpose. It's so that we learn something about God, not just that God. So, we need to know, what does it mean to me? What is it about God's omniscience that's going to make a difference to me? And what we see is this. God does things. Number one, he is able to help us in times of need because he's omniscient. 
2 Chronicles 16, 9 is a verse probably many of you are familiar with, if you've read your Old Testament much. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. In context, this is the prophet speaking to the king Asa. Asa and the people have run into trouble more often than not with war and people trying to attack. And time and time again, they've depended on the Lord. And it's been a great victory, small forces winning, or God just completely routing the enemy for no good reason. And then for some reason that we don't know other than just human nature, again, they're faced with an invading army. And instead of turning to the Lord, they go to Damascus and hire Ben-Hadad's army to come and fight for them. And the prophet comes up and says, hey, 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 hey. Why are you doing this? Didn't God deliver you from all these other enemies? Can't God do that now? Here's why you should do that. Because the eyes of the Lord run through and fro throughout the whole earth. So he can show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is right with him. Those who trust him. And that's still true about God. When things are hard, this is a statement about God, not a situation. God sees everyone everywhere for the purpose of showing himself strong in our behalf. That means to aid, to encourage, to fortify To build up. God's not saying, hey, I'm big, look at me. He says, I'm big and I can take care of you. I will help you in times of need because that's why I'm always looking. That's why I'm able to see everything. This is its purpose. God can help us any of those times. Think back to the Matthew 10 passage we've gone to twice now. God sees the sparrows fall. He knows the hairs of your head. And then he says this, aren't you worth more than many sparrows? If God knows that sparrows die, and he knows how much hair you have or don't have or used to have, and none of that happens unless God knows. And then when he says, and this is Jesus talking, aren't you worth more than many sparrows? Don't you think God is paying attention to you so that he can take care of you like he takes care of the sparrows? He's able to help us when we need it. Number two, because he sees everyone and knows everything everywhere, he is listening attentively for your prayer. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The picture here is this. God knows you're talking and he's leaning over to make sure he hears you really well because he's attentive to, To when you cry out to Him. He wants to hear. He wants you to speak so He can hear. He's paying attention. And by the way, Psalm 103 verses 13 and 14. Feed right into this. It says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. You know, it's not just that God hears. We could get by and, well, God hears everything. Fine, whatever. But look at how the psalmist couches this. Just like a father has compassion on his children when they're in need, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who are trying to trust in him. And as he's doing that, or because he's doing that, this is why, because he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. God knows how weak we are. He knows how much need we have because 
honestly, there's nothing in this life we can accomplish on our own. Please don't fool yourself thinking, okay, God helps those who help themselves. No. And there's, there's not the list of things that we can handle, and then God's going to help us get through the hard ones. It's there's nothing in life can be done without God. And he's wanting you to come to him because like a father, he's waiting for you to ask for help. Yes, he acts independently. But the point here is he knows in our pain, in our need, he, we will cry out. And he's not just sitting on the throne saying, yes, I will now wait and see how the petitions come in tonight. It's not like Santa Claus on a computer waiting for the letters to come in. God is leaning over, listening, waiting for you to speak to him so he can be a compassionate father to help you. Not only that, because he knows everyone and everything, everywhere, he knows every circumstance, every one of them. Proverbs 15, verse 3 mentioned this earlier, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. That's not referring to people. It's the place. It's the things that are going on. God knows exactly what's going on in your life, whether it's going really well or whether you need to crawl back under the covers and wait for another day. He knows exactly what's going on. Amos 9, remember, God sees even the sinful kingdom. In that context, he knows those are people trying to get at Israel. And what does God say? I see them, and I'm going to take care of them. Because he is aware of every circumstance. Nothing surprises God. Think about that. You may have been surprised by a disappointment from a person or a thing. Financially, things may not be real good right now. It doesn't matter God knows. It's not God being unaware. He's not sitting up in heaven saying, boy, I wonder what's going on in his life. Hopefully he'll say something. But if he doesn't say anything, then I don't know. God knows and sees everyone and everything everywhere. He is aware of it. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, God is in heaven on his throne and he sees all to test and discern the righteous and the wicked. He knows what's happening. He knows what people are doing. He knows what's going on all around you. He's also aware of our sin. 1 John 3, verses 19 and 20, We will know by this that we are of the truth, and will assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Our conscience and our heart may not always be geared right. We may not get it. We may, we may make bad choices. God is greater than our hearts. He knows what we're thinking and he still knows all things. Proverbs 5.21, the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord and he watches all his paths. In the context here, it's talking about a young man giving himself to an adulterous woman. And what the writer says is this, why would you do this? Why would you commit adultery like this because of verse 21? Because God sees the ways of every man. They're all before God's eyes. He watches over all his paths. The idea here isn't that God's out to get you. This should be a deterrent from sin. When we're faced with the temptation, we need to remember our God can get us out of that. And by the way, he does see. He will know. There will be no secret. You know, the, the adulteress may come to you in the dark and you may think, oh, nobody ever knows. 
God does. Because he sees everyone and everything everywhere. And that's to deter us from sin. He's not out to pound on us. He's trying to keep us from going into sin. And then finally, and I didn't know of a better way to put this, God really gets it. Because he is omniscient, God really gets it. Isaiah 40, verses 27 and 28. I texted my wife when I I was working on this the other day, and I almost had a runaway. Okay, you're not from Alabama. If you're from Alabama, runaway is... God's all of a sudden just warming up your heart. You've got to get up and move around. You've got to do something. At home, they would have a runaway, and you run up down the aisles. But I was in Starbucks, and that would have looked kind of stupid, so I didn't do that. But I texted my wife, said, almost had me a runaway. Isaiah 40, 27 and 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? And here's the prophet's answer. Here's how God answers that. When the, you know, Jacob, you know, Israel is saying, God doesn't see, he doesn't get it, he doesn't notice that I'm not getting justice, things aren't going right. And here's God's answer. Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. Inscrutable is a great word. It means you can't find the bottom of it. Unsearchable is another way to put it. Infinite is another way to put it. Here's what he's telling them. I know you feel this way, but just remember, God is the eternal ruler, the creator of everything. He never needs rest as he's caring for you. And by the way, he gets it. He knows exactly what's going on, and he knows all of it. Even the parts of it that you don't see because there's so much of life that we don't. We've all heard the story of seeing the tapestry and you look at the backside and it looks so terrible and we don't know what's going on and then it turns around and it's a beautiful picture. We're on the backside. God's understanding is infinite. He really gets it. God knows what's going on. And he can fix it or he can grace you through it. But that starts with the fact that God knows it because he knows everyone and everything everywhere. God is not trying to be a cosmic killjoy because he knows everything. He's not waiting for you to fail so that he can load the guilt on and make you feel bad. God's knowledge, his wisdom... His awareness, his understanding all come into play for your good, your growth, and your gain. That's why he tells us what he can see, what he can do, why he is able to do all this. So here's the trick. What are we supposed to do with that? Number one, we need to practice trusting God. Because he is omniscient, we need to practice trusting God. I purposely put that word in there. Because I say trust God, and we all go, yes, I trust God. Just like we said, yes, I know what omniscience means. And you walk out and go, okay, I'm going to trust God. Well, what is that? You know, I'm going to fall down, and God's going to catch me. God is trying to help you, not harm you. God wants to help you. Omniscience is often used like a club. When I, when I, as I was growing up in the conservative churches that I went to, I never heard omniscience being a good thing. It was always, God knows that you're doing that. Don't do that because God knows. And boy, you're, you're, you're in for it. God's going to find out and then trouble's going to come. Things are going to be bad because God knows. And when we hear things like that, we get terrified that God really does know everything. 
And we don't trust him because we're terrified of him. When the truth is, God tells us he knows because he wants to help. It has nothing to do with being hammered on. Remember 2 Chronicles 16? The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Regardless of what anyone has to say, God says his omniscience is for the purpose of supporting you. Back in 1980, a man named Ken Blanchard wrote a famous book, The One-Minute Manager. It's on my read-every-year list. It's a great book. It's short. You can read it and enjoy it. It's good. One of the principles he espouses in that book that he says surveys all these great companies, this is one of the things that great leaders did. They practice watching their people to catch them doing something right so they can praise them or encourage them or help them along. And that resonated with so many people. Everybody wants to be caught doing something right so that somebody's nice to you. There's a reason that resonates with everybody that reads that book. Because God's been doing that for thousands of years. God has been saying, I'm watching you. I see what you're doing. I'm pleased with you. Let me encourage you. You're going through a hard time. Let me help you through that. Let me strongly support you. Because that's why God is watching. It says it. So that he may support, not hammer, not guilt, not convict. Those are functions that happen when we sin. But God's omniscience is so that he can help us. Trust looks like this, which is why I put practice doing this. Because God is for me and not against me, I will serve him today. And I will wake up tomorrow and I will serve him tomorrow. And I will wake up the day after that. And I will trust God to take care of me as I am serving him. That's it. That's all trusting God is. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do today because of God and who he is. And in our case, because he sees everyone and everything everywhere. Number two, if God really does know and see everyone and everything everywhere, we should be calling out to him in prayer about anything and everything. Psalm 34, 15, 1 Peter 3, tell us God is eagerly anticipating our prayer. He's leaning in. He wants us to pray. Why would we not do this? Why do we find it such a struggle to take our concerns, our needs, our wants, and our encouragements to God? Because we're afraid. Well, I haven't done it enough lately. Maybe he won't listen. I've yet to find a place in here where God's done that. Well, you know, I'm just not good enough. and Maybe if I think badly enough about myself that God will accept me. That's called penance. We don't see that taught anywhere in Scripture. God sees everyone and everything, everywhere. By the way, Psalm 103, remember he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. He knows how bad things are here and he knows how limited you are. Why, why, why would we not go to him and ask for help? But we shy back when God is saying, here I am, I'm huge. And we go, oh, he's huge. And he's saying, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I'm huge to help. I know all these things so that I can give you the best help possible. He knows how much we need it. And he wants us to call out to him for it. Number three, trust God's plan in your life. Trust God's plan for your life. He knows everything. He knows everyone, everywhere. He is more wise and knowledgeable than you or I could ever hope to be. And because he seeks your best, we should trust him. 
And that means every event in life, even if I don't understand why. Even if I don't get it. God really, if he knows everything and everyone, everywhere, he's the only one who can really make a good choice to begin with. We have our ideas and our plans, but we only see part of the picture. Look, given the opportunity, 99.9% of us would choose lives of ease, comfort, and pleasure. We wouldn't go through hardship or disappointment or difficulty. We would certainly never fail a test, lose a job, be embarrassed, be betrayed. We would just coast along and cruise through life and ease into eternity on the nice boat. But the truth is, that is not how life works because God has decided that's not the best way for it to go. And if he really does know everyone and everything, everywhere, we need to trust his judgment. We need to believe that our ideas are not better and that we can lean into him. Last thing, strive for purity. Strive for purity. Look, Proverbs 5, Psalm 90, both say God sees the evil and the good. He sees even the secret things he knows. It's not so that we're terrified. It's so that we don't do it. That's what it's all about. God sees and knows you and your thoughts, the things you're thinking about doing. Oh, I I would never do that. How much of it did you harbor in your heart? What's going on here? God says, flee that. Run away from it. Get as far away from that as possible. Why? Because I know what's over there. And when you go over there, I know you're over there. Not, Not to make you feel guilty. He's trying to get you not to go there. Okay, you you know the story, hot oven, small child, don't, don't, don't. Oh, that's just awful. That parent hates that child. They don't want them to have freedom. No, they're trying to protect them from what's up on top of the oven. And the child who does this number finds out why. God is trying to say, there's no reason for you to find out. I know everyone and everything everywhere. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Sinful choices stand in direct opposition to an open and joyful relationship with God. And he's saying, look, I know all those things. And I want the good relationship with you. Why why, why would you break into that with something else? Why would we do that? We should cleanse our hearts from sin. Seek to walk in unity with God and with his purposes. Not our own. In 1 Chronicles 28, David is nearing the end of his life. And he's assembled the leaders of Israel, and he tells them, I wanted to build a temple for God, and God said, no. God wants my son Solomon to build it. So you need to support him, help him, let him do the things he needs to do. And then he turns in verses 8 and 9, in public, in front of all these people, and tells Solomon, Solomon, you need to learn to know and serve God with a whole heart and with a willing mind. Because God searches all hearts understands every intent of your thoughts, and has chosen you for this task. God knows everyone and everything, everywhere. And David's telling his son, know and serve the Lord. And then he goes on just a a verse after that, and he says, live courageously and act. And that's my challenge for us. God knows every one of us, everything. And everywhere, can't we learn to live courageously and act in obedience to this God so that we can have the right kind of relationship, so that we can do those things that he wants us to do? 
so that we're carrying out his work and not our own. God sees and knows everyone, everywhere, and everything. And we should know him and serve him and enjoy doing that. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful that we can trust you, that you are a God who really does know everything. We, we struggle to even comprehend what that means. But it is true because you said it is. We see evidence in the scripture where you knew even the future. So because of that, we trust you or we want to trust you. Help us as we practice trusting you that tonight we would conform ourselves to what you would like and that we would do that tomorrow. And the day after, there will be questions we can't answer. Uh, There are things we don't understand. But we need to trust that you do. And even if they're hard questions about what it means to be a believer, uh, we need to trust that you will give us the information that we need. Help us to learn well. Help us to serve well, to be courageous and act. Whether it's moving into a new facility or staying here, whether it's the family fun fest or trying to reach our neighbor with the gospel. May we learn to live in light of your greatness so that you would be glorified in us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.